When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. After a serious car accident, people have two questions. Why me and what now? Well, no one knows why you, but I'm Terry Crouppen, and my law firm, Brown & Crouppen, sure can help with the what now. Car repairs, medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. We're Brown & Crouppen, and we've got all those answers. All you have to do is call. 222-2222. We are broadcasting from the Michelob Ultra Studios. Michelob Ultra, sponsor of the Fan Page Club Championship and the Dotum. If you are watching on uh, on YouTube, you see Doug is at home. Uh, Doug has COVID, battling through. How do you feel, Doug, on a scale of 1 to 10? I, I don't feel bad. I know I sound bad. I, I just got kind of a, uh, a throat and nose thing. If I hadn't gotten tested, I wouldn't think I have any. All right. I, I, feel, I feel fine. Uh, Ken Strode is out today ill. Uh, I was texting with uh, Iggy last night. Uh, he wanted a breakdown of the uh, Jennings Randolph Jr. Fan Page Club Championship, and uh, we were texting about it. I would imagine he will be back in tomorrow. And uh, Doug, you are hoping to be back in studio on Wednesday. This the, this is the uh, new yeah, COVID protocol. Is that the deal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to back it up five days, I guess, mm-hmm. from the time that you were that you tested positive. So, but it's clear the olds on this show are literally falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jackson is sitting in Doug's chair here on the YouTube KG and O-Town, kind enough to come in on uh, 24 hours notice this time. Last week he just showed up when he <laughs> left uh, after the 8 o'clock hour or 7 o'clock hour, which was uh, one moment for uh, – for the ages there, KG No Time just appearing without anybody even asking him to. Um, so he's in the Horton Watkins studio. We spent a portion of the uh, Munganass St. Louis Acura 7 o'clock hour uh, discussing certainly, of course, uh, what Doug said which should have been the lead, which was the Fan Page Club Championship. Yeah, um, but uh, But uh, we actually did lead with uh, the passing of the great Mike Shannon. So here is what we have for you in the second half of our show. Of course, we'll finish it off with the Design Air Heating and Cooling email of the day. Uh, JV Golf Coach against the Dragon Slayer for the month of April title. That is going to go off here in a matter of moments uh, at 945. Uh, They also could win May, but there would be a separate one if uh, you do not want to vote for Dragon Slayer or JV Golf Coach. But one of the two will have to get a vote today if they both indeed write in. And then they get a a fan uh, dotum foursome for winning the month of April, courtesy of the great people at Milagro Tequila. Yeah, for Listener of the Month. For Milagro and Tequila. for Listener of the Month, I voted for Dragon Slayer, but you're telling me the Dragon Slayer did not apply to be Listener of the I'll Month? I'll have to double and triple check, but I'm almost positive he did not. But I'll have to double And then therefore, well, so you got to check. I, I got Well, I have to make sure. We have a lot of entries, so apologies. Okay. I can't necessarily get it on my laptop at the moment. Um, but you guys have cast separate votes, and you disagree with my vote. Correct. So that is why Jackson is having to tabulate the Milagro Tequila Listener of the Month for the month of April. A Dragon Slayer gets my vote, but if he did not apply, then he cannot win. So then I guess uh, my vote would be 
struck down. Either way, uh, that is coming up as well. Milagro Tequila, sponsor of our Listener of the Month. you got to apply at tmastl.com if you would like to be the Milagro Tequila Listener of the Month. And, hey, we are less than two weeks away. It probably doesn't feel like this because of the weather, uh, but we are less than two weeks away from Mother's Day. And the easiest way to take care of your mother or give this to your wife, significant other, whatever the situation may be, is a sound story. Go online at mysoundstory.com. You enter the promo code TMA and you get 15% off a gift card. And you have just given your mother, your family, a gift that will last a lifetime. And you do it by going to mysoundstory.com. And you get the gift card and you get 15% off by using the promo code T. M-A, and then uh, present that to mom on Mother's Day. She comes in and tells her life story. You show your appreciation, and you have given her a gift that you and your family, and especially your mom, uh, it will mean the world. And uh, you can have, whether it be Doug, me, Jackson, Learn, Riz, Randy Carricker, John Hewlett, uh, Moon, Courtney Landrum, any of the above, uh, do the interview. That that can be taken care of later. You schedule it at mysoundstory.com. Come in or do it over Zoom, and uh, and you have that for a lifetime. And then something that the um, – well, I don't want to give the name, um, but uh, did for their family. Uh, uh, they came in and, and told stories of their childhood. I did that as well, but did that with Doug. Uh, this family, obviously, if I gave the name, I could spoil the surprise on the off chance their mom's listening to this show, which I would say is absolutely 0.0. But Probably nonetheless, not, yeah. uh, I won't give the name. Uh, but did that on Friday, uh, mysoundstory.com. And again, TMA promo code gets you 15% off Sound Story. Family Golf is back on board here on TMA. Family Golf and Learning Center is a premier golfing facility for all abilities and ages. Provides a friendly and encouraging practice experience for the individual or the family. They have player development that includes monthly clinics, adult clinics, summer camps, uh, on-course programs, including ladies' leagues, couples' leagues, and parent-child scrambles tournaments. Family Golf features a double-decker driving range. It's the best driving range. That's where you can find me quite often. Want to play around but short on time? Their par-3 course is the place for you. It's a beautiful nine-hole par-3 course, and you can enjoy lunch or dinner on the terrace and wonderful patio of the Back Nine Bar and Grill. Host your event there, birthday parties, graduation parties, corporate events, and clinics. They have club fitting for you. They make St. Louis better at golf. Learn, practice, and play your best golf. It's Family Golf. Family Golf Online. Com. Appliance Discounters, our sponsor of the 8 o'clock hour. If you are in the market for an appliance, look no further than Appliance Discounters and their 80,000-square-foot warehouse full of GE appliances and other major brands ready for delivery. Shop online at theappliancediscounters.com, where pricing has been adjusted to beat everybody in the competition. Doug and I have both gotten appliances from the Appliance Discounters and the great John and Denise Bradley here over the last few months, and we recommend them wholeheartedly, theappliancediscounters.com. If you would like an introduction to the Bradley family, just email me, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Coming up in our 9 o'clock hour, the Design Air Heating and Cooling email of the day, and uh, Kelly Chase will join us to give us some uh, recollection and stories of his very dear friend, the late, great Mike Shannon. In this segment here in the Appliances Counter's 8 o'clock hour, you hear uh, my conversation with Mike Shannon uh, from the Tim McKernan Show podcast uh, ladies and gentlemen, here is my conversation with Mike Shannon. So I want to go back. I'm a South City guy, St. Gabriel's, Tam right. Avenue, and you're a South City guy, but you're Epiphany, correct? Correct. 
That's correct. All right. And so if you could take me back to what it was like growing up on the south side in the Epiphany Parish. Well, we had a really good uh, coach over there by the name of Harry Bresnan, and he he taught everybody the fundamentals of uh, basketball and also baseball, and he was excellent at that, okay? In fact, when I went to high school at CBC, uh, the the coach over there, D.C. Wilkett, who was an outstanding coach and an outstanding player on the national champions at St. Louis University, and he would say, I love to get the kids out of uh, Epiphany, grade school because they knew the fundamentals he didn't have to teach them the fundamentals of one-on-one so Harry Bresnan was the guy that really taught everyone how to play the game wow I I didn't realize that there was a tradition of sorts with epiphany well I mean he was just a guy I mean he he coached everything he was a he worked for a bread company okay and so he got up early in the morning he delivered his bread so he was finished by a the time to work after school on the uh, athletic program. And you were the uh, second oldest of six children growing up on Winona Avenue. I know exactly where Winona Avenue is, so I guess eight people in the house. Uh, what was uh, what was that like growing up? Well, you know, I had uh, brothers and sisters, and it was fantastic. My father uh, was on the police force, and uh, while he was on the police force, he was going to Washington University Law School, became a lawyer, and worked in the city for a number of years. So uh, we had a very good uh, family relationship and uh, growing up with brothers and sisters that took care of one another. Did, did Were you in, in a different world athletically when you look back on grade school, not even getting to CBC yet, but when you were playing, I would imagine it was CYC, uh, was it clear that, that you, you stood out from, from the other kids? I always wonder how it starts for professional athletes. I don't care if it's ball, baseball or golf, if they're in another world when they're 8, 10, 12 years old. Yeah, when I was 11 years old, I was playing on a 15-year-old team. So, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was very evident that I had the natural ability, the God-given ability, okay? It was just a matter of uh, developing it after that. So were you were you working out or I mean it's a different ball game now like you have parents focus on one sport what were, what were you doing uh, at that yeah, time whatever was in I played uh, football basketball and baseball okay and I can remember going from football thinking oh I'm in great shape and, which I was for football then I'd go to basketball and those first two days of basketball <laughs> I was dying and then we go right from then you go right from basketball to uh, baseball and uh, I did that in college also. Uh, I played all three sports in college. And, and this is a fun fact for no one telling and doing my research for our conversation. I didn't realize this. Uh, you are the only person in Missouri high school history to win the Missouri High School Player of the Year in both, not baseball, by the way, in both football and basketball your senior year. So you played professional baseball, but you won the Missouri High School Player of the Year in both football and basketball at CBC. And in the same year, and no one's ever done that in the same year, and and (laughs) that's almost 60 years ago, so (laughs) somebody better hurry up and get it done. But you're you're, you're correct, Tim. Most people today, 
or concentrate on just one sport or specialize like that. in our society. You know, you go to the doctor, he said, oh, I'm not a lung doctor. I'm an ear and throat guy, so you got to go to the lung doctor. Or you go to the lung doctor, he said, oh, I'm an ear, nose, and throat guy, so you got to go to this person. So most people in our society today are specialized in their And in my good Red Cheney, good friend Red Cheney, who just passed, you know, he, he was sitting with some uh, some uh 20 to 30 year olds and he said boy i feel sorry for you guys <laughs> said, what do you mean he said, well i feel sorry for you because you're not going to be able to experience the things that i experienced for instance when i was playing football you had to play both offense and defense yeah of course that, that's very seldom does that happen anymore but it was good because you learned everything, and 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 a lot of athletes come to uh, the big leagues now, and they just played baseball, the one sport. They didn't have the advantage of uh, of playing a basketball or football or another sport, and you you learn things in those sports that will help you in another sport. So you're you're playing, and you're obviously an incredible athlete with winning those awards in high school, and then you decide to go to the University of Missouri. Um, and I didn't realize this again until doing research for our interview, but it, it, you played for Frank Broyles, who's, a, who's of course a legend in college football, just recently passed away, but he spent one year as the Missouri head coach. That is correct. And the, uh, the team that he recruited was a national champion team in 1960, 61, uh, until the last game when Kansas ran a nine man line against them, uh, which was absurd. <laughs> but they just didn't have a quarterback, but, uh, there was five high school Americans just in the backfield. There was one high school All-American on the line. And it was probably the greatest. In fact, there was a magazine that said it was the greatest uh, a bunch of athletes ever recruited for a freshman team. Some uh, sport magazine or something back there uh, said that. But Frank was a split-T quarterback. I mean, a split-T uh, uh, coach, all right? Mm-hmm. I was a split-T quarterback. And, and uh, I almost switched when he left and went to – uh, Arkansas. I almost switched and went back to USC. In fact, I called the guy and asked him if he'd still take me, and he said, "Yeah." Uh, but Dan Devine came in, and he was a multiple offense guy, and so I stayed in Missouri. So you're playing basketball. You're clearly great at baseball, and you're also uh, were under Frank Broyles, and now here comes Dan Devine. Not a bad set of coaches there in that in that <laughs> circumstance. What what did you do? You recall what you enjoyed playing the most at that time? Oh, there's no doubt it was football. That was the game. It came a lot easier for me. You know, basketball, I wasn't big enough, fast enough, or uh, or skilled enough to uh, play that professionally. And so I, I went into uh, baseball because uh, that's where you had a pension plan and you could earn more money. It was, it's, it was uh, specifically an economic decision, plain and simple. And uh, I had to work at that, though. I had to really work hard. So, so yeah, it, 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 I was reading up on this. If had you had there been a better economic structure, as you just made reference to, Mike, in football, it sounds like that's the, that's that's the path you would have chosen. And obviously, your life turns out incredibly differently, considering what you've been doing for the last fifty years. Well, you know, those are the things that sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. But uh, I was just fortunate enough to uh, come along at the proper time, as far as baseball was concerned. Uh, which was just the opposite for football. I was just a little too early for football before the American Football League came into effect. I was about three or four years too early for that. But then I got to uh, play in the big leagues on the great Cardinal teams of the 60s. So 
you see, you never know what's going to happen in this business. And the, and the really the trick to being as successful is getting on a good team. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And man, were you a part of a great one? So starting in 1962, yeah. you're up with the big club with the Cardinals uh, and getting a chance to play for your hometown team. I realize it's different in 2018 than it was in 62, but did you feel a little added pressure because you were playing in your hometown or were you just enjoying the absolute pleasure of being a member of the St. Louis Cardinals? Well, no, I, I had the pressure of that because I thought everybody at the ballpark was, you know, my neighbor, <laughs> which, which basically they were, and, and, and so to speak, back then anyway. But, you know, I was so fortunate to play with the well, – well, first of all, when I came to the big leagues, there was like 170 – years of experience, you know, at Stan Buger, Kurt Simmons, Bobby Shantz, uh, uh, Carl Sawatsky, and the list went on and on, okay? And uh, Kenny Boyer and Dick Grode, Bob Skinner. I mean, I learned so much from those guys, and and they were such good fundamental players, and they and, and I sat there for a couple of years just watching it and, and, and learning. And then, of course, the uh, Along came Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and so forth and so on, and uh, we had a really, really fine teams. What, what, what lessons or life lessons even or advice, baseball advice, do you remember getting from that 170 years of experience in that clubhouse? I mean, you're talking about lined with Hall of Famers. Well, uh, you sit and you observe, okay. If you're you're smart enough to do that, and you watch and you, and you learn, okay. It's the same thing I did when I went to the broadcast booth. I had no experience whatsoever. I had no idea what their signs were up there, but I had the Jack Buck and uh, the great people that I worked with, and, and uh, so consequently, I learned from them. In 1964, you get to play in the World Series for your hometown team, and and you're, you're up against the New York Yankees. I mean, this is this is like a movie script, and you get a chance to to play in that and hit a, a home run uh, that has great importance to the eventual Cardinal World Series win. If you can uh, take us back to 1964, the Cardinals and the New York Yankees, and you in that position, Mike. Well, in the first game, uh, I was fortunate enough to hit a home run off of Whitey Ford, and we went on to win that game. And, of course, it's so important. Back then it was, anyway. And it still is today is to win that first game of a, a playoff for a World Series. And uh, I can remember riding home that night. That's when we had two papers here. And the, mm-hmm. the Globe Democrat had an early paper that came out in the – in the uh, uh, you know, it was a morning paper, but it came out in the evening uh, the night before. And uh, that big block letters about the home run on the. Uh, <laughs> I had stopped coming home from uh, dinner, and, and I bought the paper, and there was uh, big block letters with my name on it. And, uh, you know, that's a thrill. Okay, first of all, uh, a thrill to play in, in the World Series. There hadn't been one in St. Louis since uh, since uh, let's see, '46, yeah. and, and that was '64. So. I mean, it was it was an unbelievable time, and for me, it was even uh, a double or triple because it was my own hometown, and to get to play in a World Series in my own hometown and against the, the same New York Yankees and hit a home run off of a uh, Whitey Ford, the, the future Hall of Famer, I had to pinch myself. <laughs> I would I would imagine so, and and the career continues on. Uh, you're part of a yet another World Championship in in '67. And a team, and sometimes I've heard guys on your team talk about that 68 team 
And unfortunately, here in St. Louis, I feel like we've had a few of these, whether you want to look at like the 85 team that was up uh, 3-1 on the Royals, uh, and of course the infamous Dinkinger call in Game 6, or the 2004 team that got swept by the Red Sox. It's some great teams that just came up short when it got down to it in the World Series. The Cardinals were up on the Tigers, and then uh, they were able to come back and, and win the World Series. For you, if you can take us back to that, you won in 64, you won in 67. I oftentimes would hear Tony La Russa say, one of the things that, that really motivates me is I enjoy the wins, unfortunately, a little more than I hate the losses. How did you recall taking uh, the loss to the Tigers in Game 7 and 68? Well, I think I take it worse as the years go by than I did back then, all right? Because you always had another chance back then the next day or yeah. the next year and so forth and so on. So uh, that, that, that opportunity is gone forever. And people talk about... Uh, you know, a flood slipping on a ball that north the pit and uh, rock not sliding. But the key to that whole series, in my mind, was that Mayo Smith let let his the starting pitcher a bat when they were down in the in the fifth game. Okay, and we had them down three games to one, and it was Lowlich, and he got a base hit, and that turned the momentum of the entire series around. And the uh, Tigers, unfortunately go on to win it. The Cardinals uh, continue well, on. But, but, you know, it was it was unfortunate for us, but, you know, that team would have never been recognized uh, uh, for the fact that they had, and they was a, that was a really good baseball team, okay? And they would have never been recognized as a good team if they wouldn't have won that World Series. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, And it was huge for, for the city of Detroit at that oh, time. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Considering what was going on in, in that city in the summer of, of 1960. 1960. What, what was it like around St. Louis in the 1960s with the baseball Cardinals? We picture it now, but I mean, it's such a modernized version with Ballpark Village and, and a new ballpark. You played in both Sportsman's Park and Bush Stadium, too. What, what was it like around coming to the ballpark and being a player then and how it compares and contrasts with what you see uh, when you're in the KMOX broadcast booth now, Mike? Well, I, you know, the, the uh, fans here in St. Louis are so phenomenal. And uh, and I, I think that was really, uh, we had just carried on the tradition. If you look back on Cardinal baseball, the tradition is phenomenal. you got to go back to the Gas House Gang. And then after the Gas House Gang, you had the, the Stan Musial Red Changing era. And then after that, you had uh, the 60s uh, with uh, Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and so forth and so on, and uh, the success that we had in the 60s. And then uh, you had the Ozzy Smith uh, and the Willie McGee uh, term. So we've been fortunate all through the years. And then after that, it was the Albert Pujols uh, year. So we've always had those great players and, and Hall of Famers to carry the tradition on. So you have this incredible run in the 1960s, obviously an absurdly talented athlete with your success, not just in, in baseball, but also in high school and college with football and basketball. And then it, and then it comes to an end in, in 1970. And, and plenty of our audience members you know, may know that you were a, a St. Louis Cardinal and a world champion, and of course know you as the voice of the baseball team for so many years, but they may not know what happened when you were 30 years old and in uh, in in your ball career came to an end in, in 1970. So so what happened then, Mike? Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, and it's just a routine lab test. Uh, uh, I, I I developed nephritis, and the guy told me he said you have idiopathic memorinous gamorial nephritis. I said, "Whoa, time out!" But that ended my uh, athletic career, and uh, and like I say, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. I was offered a, a minor league. Uh, managing job. I was offered a, a chance to coach in the big leagues with the Cardinals. And uh, 
I had uh, I had suffered through that uh, kidney that disease, and I was very fortunate to have the one of the most foremost kidney specialists in the entire world, and a phenomenal doctor, a team doctor, Doctor London, and I survived all of that, and then. And then I went into the front office. I was able to work again. I went into the front office. I spent a year in the front office, and then the the radio job became available. And uh, of course, uh, <laughs> that's history. Yeah. So, so how did that all how did that all start up? Because you go from playing, you're in the front office, and and next thing you know, you're in the broadcast booth. But I'm sure there was a process to that. And as you made reference to uh, the element of not having experience. So, how did that all come to pass? Well, I, I had one person that uh, was an executive that had a lot of confidence in me, okay? And so, uh, uh, but uh, Anheuser-Busch had owned the uh, ball club at the time, and they, they came to me, and they asked me if I'd be interested in the broadcast job. And I said, yes, I would be. And, uh, you know, I worked with Jack Buck for all those years, and then Joe Buck, and, uh, and we go on from there. And, and, and as you're getting your start in broadcasting, uh, how do you how how are you getting along with it? Was Jack pointing some things out? Did, did, I mean, it's a different world now with Twitter or Facebook, where you where if somebody doesn't like a broadcaster, they they make it their life's cause to make that person miserable on social media. That wasn't going on. But how how was the reception out of the gate to a guy who's from St. Louis who played ball, but now he's in the broadcast booth? Well, you know, I had so much to learn, and uh, and I and and again. Uh, I had a, a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, professional and uh, Mr. Buck to uh, to to help me. Okay, and all I had to do was to observe. Okay, much like when I came to the big leagues with the, all of the great experience with the Stan Musers and the Red Chainies, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I observed. All right. And uh, I went on from there. And I've never tried to uh, emulate anyone else. I just, uh, I, I just have been myself. And and the uh, fans were uh, were patient enough, and and uh, and they they tolerated me. Okay, in the first couple of years, plain and simple. But as as time has gone on, I think people have come to absolutely love your calls and, uh, you know, the passion and just how real it sounds because it isn't a trained broadcaster. is isn't somebody who like went to, I went to the university of Missouri journalism school. It's, it's somebody calling it how he sees it and talking in a way that, that many fans can relate to. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're so beloved. What do you think plays a role in that, Mike? Well, I, I think it's a combination of, you know, you know, being a player then the front office, uh, employee and then a broadcaster and so forth and so on. I, th- I think the entire mix and being from, uh, and being from this area too, you know, when I, when I say, uh, you know, grand and dirty, a lot of people remember that. Okay. Or if I say that this ballpark, you know, I got to play in uh, the two of the three ballparks that we've had here. Okay. The, the old ballpark, which was, uh, you know, sportsman's park and then turned into Bush stadium when the, the brewery brought the ball club. And then the first, uh, uh, the stadium that was built in the 60s and uh, in those good teams in the 60s and then the new ballpark. I've been involved in all of those. And so uh, I think the combination, when you put it all together, uh, it works. So in the 1980s, uh, the Cardinals have an incredible run. And uh, I had Jay Randolph Sr. in studio as a guest on the show. And he was talking about the fun of of hanging out with you uh, with Jack Buck and with Whitey 
after games and, and just winding up like hanging out in Whitey's hotel room or in, in, in the manager's room at the ballpark and just having some Budweiser's and just BSing about that night's game. And uh, that, of course, is something that I can't imagine happening in 2018, but Jay Randolph Sr. was talking about it and just smiling, thinking back to those memories. What what do you remember of that time, Mike? Well, I remember a lot of that also. And, of course, uh, it was, again, fortunate for me. I worked with Jay on television for years and years with Channel 5 and, and doing Cardinal baseball. But uh, Jay and I used to uh, play golf early in the morning. Then we'd go to the racetrack. And then we go to the ballpark, and then we would start all those festivities that you you, you were talking about. <laughs> and I continued that on with uh, uh, Tony La Russa when he was here as the manager. You know, he and I became good friends, and are still are good friends. And and, uh, and Whitey, I, I was friends with with Whitey Herzog. But I mean, I've enjoyed uh, so many things with Tony La Russa. Uh, as far as dinners are concerned. And, and, and you know, I'll give you an example how uh, veered uh, uh, Jay Randolph is. Uh, he told me, he said, if you ever see Jack Nicholas, tell him hello for me. So I didn't, I didn't see Jack for two or three years. And then I, I was at his club down in Florida, and I walked by, and, and he's in having dinner with his wife and two other couples. And so I stopped in, I introduced myself, and I said, I don't want to bother you, but I just wanted to say hi for uh, Jay Randolph to you. And you know, Jack kept me there for another five minutes talking about Jay and asking about Jay and what he was doing and so forth and so on. I said, I didn't want to bother you, Mr. Nichols. I just want to say hi for him. So then when he was finished, then his wife, Barbara, kept me for another five minutes. They loved Jay Randolph and all of those guys going going back to that era because Jack, because uh, Jay was such a big, big part of that. And he's going to be a big part of this uh, 100th PGA tournament when we're out at the uh, Bell Reeve also. Yeah. He's, he's revered by uh, the, the, the great ones, the Palmers, the Nicholases, and, and, and so forth and so on. Uh, Joe Buck was in here a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about uh, you know a variety of things, certainly a lot of golf. He's down to like a one-two handicap now. Uh, well, he is a you know when when I when I first had contact with Joe, he he didn't hit his driver, and I said to him, I said, Joe, if you want to play this game, you've got to hit a driver. And uh, he has turned himself in and made himself one heck of a. He's a he's a single digit player now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and when when he first started, uh, <laughs> he couldn't break a uh, hundred. All right. But he was he dedicated himself and it, just like his profession, you know. Joe Buck has so much talent; it's unbelievable. Joe Buck has the two best jobs in the business that no one in the history of uh, broadcasting has ever had the same two jobs at the same time. That's how good he is. And, and he, he's so talented and, and he's going to, you know, uh, we've been so blessed here with the Bob Costas and, and, and uh, Dan Deardorff and the list goes on and on and on. And, 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 and Joe Buck is going to be right at the top of all of that. Joe Mike was saying that he would spend, I mean, really the way he learned the game was, he said, when he was on the road, just starting out and, and you guys would, whatever city you were in, he called it like the Shannon Tour. There's the PGA Tour and there's the <laughs> Shannon Tour. And you had you had the best courses and you were ready to go and you guys would play in the morning or, or late morning and then head over to the ballpark. Well, like I say, I, I was very fortunate. I got to play with Jay Randolph and, uh, and Joe, and uh, that's what we did. We got up, and I, I did anyway. I got up in the morning, and I liked to be the first guy off of the, the tee. If it was 6 a.m., it was 6 a.m. Uh-huh. 7 a.m., it was 7. And then after that, uh, 
we'd go to the racetrack. Okay, and I would go to the racetrack, and, and Joe occasionally went with us. I can remember when when Joe was going to do his first the Kentucky Derby or Belmont, and 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 Bob Costas the same. Uh, they'd call say, hey, uh, tell me about this or tell me about that. And so they they were smart enough to pick other people's brains, and uh, and uh, I did the same thing, uh, you know, and, and mostly by observing. My mine was by observing, yeah. uh, you know, it was kind of like osmosis. Joe said he actually got closer to you at, at a time period uh, than his dad, not because there was any problem with him and his dad. It's just he was spending yeah. so much so much time with with you in those, I guess, in the nineteen nineties, I suppose, uh, when he was yeah. first starting out. And you know, uh, my 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 children uh, were his the same age as uh, Joe was, of course. And uh, but but you know, if your dad tells you something or your uncle tells you something, you're going to pay more attention to your uncle. Let's face it, <laughs> your dad's always saying. But it's always like that, okay? It's like who took you to your first baseball game? Who took you to your first uh, football game? It was either a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle a brother, sister, something like that, okay? Yeah. But you remember that always. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, the, the, you know what? The, the the night of my first Cardinal game, which I'll always remember, August of 82, was the night before one of your signature calls. The first night I went to a Cardinal game, Lonnie Smith hitting inside the park Giants, and the next day, that was a Saturday night, the next day, Glenn Brummer stole home. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember that one for a long time. <laughs> you know what I remember? I remember it was how ridiculous it was. But I also remember uh, the umpire calling him safe instead of calling the ball a strike. Right. I also remember the, the San Francisco manager who was out there uh, five or ten minutes after the game still arguing with the home plate umpire after everybody was leaving the ballpark. Okay, I mean. It was just one of those unique situations. That's what's so wonderful about our game of baseball and athletics in general. When you go to the ballpark, when we go out to Bell Reef, we don't know what we're going to see. We might see a guy make a hole-in-one. We might see a guy make a nine or a 12 on a hole. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. And when I go to the ballpark tonight, I might see a no-hitter or a perfect game or a guy hit six six base hits or or hit five all month. You just never know what's going to happen because uh, the, the script is not written. <laughs> There's nothing to follow. You guys just go do it. The, the, I think when I'm trying to think of my, my lifetime of Cardinal baseball history, which begins with that night in 1982, and then fortunately less than two months later they win a World Series, so I was hooked right away. I feel like if I had to think of the moment that gave me the greatest excitement because it came out of nowhere and then also its importance was David Freeze's triple with two strikes in game six of the 2011 World Series. Is there a that moment? Was the key, Go ahead. That was the key play in that series, okay? And the phenomenal thing, that, that right fielder they had was a pretty good player. And why he would let that ball go over his head I, is still beyond me. That was the biggest play of that entire series, yep. okay? Yep. And, of course, everybody remembers the home run that David hit, and rightly so. But that triple, and, and there's something. How many times is uh, David Freeze going to hit a triple? On <laughs> that might be the only he, one. <laughs> Well, it could very well be, but you couldn't you couldn't find a nicer person or a better person. Here's a guy that played in the World Series in his hometown. He's from St. Louis, also, mm-hmm. and but that was 
to me, that was the biggest play of that entire series. How that outfielder could let that ball go over his head. Well, that that lost the World Series for for Texas, and it won the World Series for the Cardinals. Truly in did. My mind. Is is there a moment in the broadcast booth? And I realize it's an unfair question because there's so many. But is there one? And maybe there's something that that you were aware of, or you and your broadcast partner at the time were aware of, because you were seeing things behind the scenes that stands out to you. I know Jack Buck in his book talked about he had. Uh, a child dealing with an illness in the booth, and, and he caught a foul ball like off. Sure, I remember that. Yeah, very much, very much so. I was there for that. But as far as on the field uh, concerned, uh, and and we're we're so fortunate to be able to do things for people uh, uh, that are so important in their life because we we have been presented those opportunities because of our position. Okay, it's it's not that we're important; it's that the position is so important. Hopefully, somewhere along the line, we'll enhance the position, okay? But as far as on the field is concerned, I can remember in Chicago at Wrigley Field when one of their pitchers knocked down uh, Albert and hit the next pitch about nine miles over the left field wall. <laughs> now, that's the kind of stuff that excites me, okay? And that, and the home run that he hit down in uh, Houston <laughs> off of the railroad track almost <laughs> derailed the train. I mean, you know, people don't realize what a phenomenal and great baseball player that Albert Pujols uh, is and was here in St. Louis. They will when he goes into the Hall of Fame and he retires and they look back at history. But this guy, he's one of, I mean, well, you're talking about guys like Willie Mays, who's so revered in this business, and I thought was the smartest player I've ever seen. But Albert Pujols is right there with Willie Mays, okay? I mean, <laughs> and then if you ask Willie, Willie would probably say, say, yeah, this guy's phenomenal, and he is. And he is, you, you cannot compare one era to another error, okay? Mm-hmm. But I want to tell you something. He dominated his air much like Gretzky has dominated his air when he was playing hockey. Yeah, no question about that. One of my favorite things to listen to in all of broadcasting, and I'm not talking about just locally, uh, has been live at Shannon's. And the conversations, I mean, it is the absolute, I mean, for my money, for real, it might be the best show, uh, especially for a St. Louisan, because and I think it gets to a point for your guests that they forget that they're on the radio uh, because yeah. it's so comfortable. And the stories you guys tell, it's the best. We always hear with our radio show, it's like guys sitting at a bar and BSing. But you guys really are yeah. sitting at a bar and BSing. And all these guys come on and tell incredible stories. Well, we've been very fortunate here. And, and Mike Claiborne has continued this. Yes, okay? indeed. And we, we, we're now doing it just on Friday nights, and we're doing it from the broadcast booth. But, uh, you know, when we when we look back and we think about the guests that we've had on that show, you know, it's uh, you, you you don't like to compare anything to Johnny Carson, but if you had sports related, it, it would be pretty close. Oh, they, they, they've been incredible. Do you miss having Shannon's right next to the ballpark? I got to know your, your daughter, Pat, really well. Uh, over the course of like 2006 for for a few years, just a first class human being, a great woman, and did great work with Shannon's. Do you do you miss that? Of course, there's the one in, in Edwardsville, and I know your grandson uh, is involved with that, and, and the one at the airport. But the one right there at the ballpark, how do how do you view that? Well, you know, it had its run, and uh, and and you know, basically, you know, why I started that is because of Joe DiMaggio. Oh, really, Joe DiMaggio. I asked Joe DiMaggio, I said, Joe, why aren't you in the game? He said, it's because of, uh, he said, he said, uh, 
and I was interviewing him at the time. We had some mutual friends, okay? And he said, uh, you know, I consider myself a, a, a guy that likes fine dining. And he said, you know, if you're in the game, you can't enjoy that because you, you go to the ballpark and then, you you know, it's midnight by the time you get out. Well, I wanted some place for the ball player to go uh, and have fine dining, uh, you know, at, at 12 or 1 o'clock at night. And, of course, that show mixed right in with it. But when you think about the people that we've had on the live at Shannon's, okay, we've had uh, great actors, actresses, uh, uh, generals, uh, you know, they're, they're, besides they're great baseball players, okay? And it was the point that, uh, and, and our show is now too, that that uh, if we don't ask a particular uh, individual, uh, he, he's he's let down that he hasn't been asked to go on the show. And I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the great uh, Hall of Fame left-hander that pitched the, the the, the big unit, you know, he, he came up one day and said, hey, I want to be on your show. Wow, that's a guy who didn't really do a whole lot of interviews, too. Correct, you know, and, and, and that happened, I can't tell you how many times that happened. He said, you know, that's a great show. I, I can tell you this, that uh, that uh, one of the managers down at Atlanta was in the Hall of Fame. He said, man, that show, Mike, he said, I, I've got about an hour's drive to my house after after the game. And he said, on the weekends, he said, I, it goes by so quickly because I'm listening to your show. And that's the great Hall of Fame manager from the Atlanta Braves, Bobby Cox. Yeah. And, and the list goes on and on. Uh, but uh, it's just the uh, circumstance. And I don't know. Uh, you know, you know I, I, I like to compliment myself about the, the great fans here and, and how knowledgeable they are about baseball. I, I, I think that I've added to that somehow, some way over the years that uh, uh, the people that, that come to the ballpark and listen to the game. And, and of course, the the ultimate compliment is uh, the person that is, uh, uh, he, he can't see, okay? So he comes to the ballpark and he, uh, and he, and he has his radio because he wants to experience the, uh, the atmosphere, okay? So his... his uh, his other, his other, uh, you know, he doesn't have his sight, but his hearing is better, mm-hmm. and his taste is better, and he wants to experience all that. So, uh, what he does, he brings the he brings the radio with him, and he can see what's going on. And when when those uh, uh, people that are visually impaired are writing me letters and say, "Hey, I I can see what's happening because of you." Well, then that's the ultimate compliment because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to describe the game to the person that's not there, that's listening on the radio. And when I get that compliment and from, from a person that's uh, visually impaired, then I know I'm doing my job. There he is, the great Mike Shannon telling his life story uh, in addition to some perspective on his broadcast career. Uh, Doug, uh, anything stand out to you in particular from what you heard there from a friend of the program, Big Irish? Well, it was a terrific interview. Thank really you. enjoyed listening to that. He did a great job with that. Thank you, thank you, sir. Uh, just that the he's just a one of a kind person, and we won't see the likes of him again. Yeah. Just uh, you know, he was Mister St. Louis for the last half a century. Really, he just embodied so much of what St. Louis is all about. It's love for baseball and uh, love for people geez he just knew everybody and everybody everybody liked him you couldn't help but like him if you knew him oh man just yeah he will he will certainly be missed instant entertainment uh is what he was when you were tuning in to him on the broadcast and uh that was one of my 
honors to be able to have a conversation with him, uh, such as is that on that podcast. So I'm glad we were able to share that with you here on the program. Uh, Mike Shannon passing away yesterday uh, at the age of 83, 50 years in the Cardinal broadcast booth and a hell of a ball player as well. And as you heard him tell the story, uh, he had one hell of a football career as well and uh, and just an incredible athlete across the board going, I mean, perhaps one of the best to ever come out of St. Louis. Your thoughts are welcome. 636-9004, TMA is how you can call in. 314-881-TMA5 is how you can text in and email in for our design air heating and cooling email today, the morning after at InsideSTL.com. We'll need to te- check the uh, Munganass Daily Fantasy Sports results. Uh, I saw Tony Finau won. I didn't really pay attention to this event. Finau and, and John Rahm were really the two premier players in it. John Rahm was like plus 250 to win an event, uh, which is insane considering how many people are playing that somebody would be plus 250. Uh, Munganass, sponsor of the 7 o'clock hour in the Daily Fantasy Sports Showdown, online at stlouisaccurate.com and altontoyota.com. They have a secret number of 314-252-0029. And what a pre-owned vehicle selection they have at Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Just go online at stlouisaccurate.com or altontoyota.com or call or text the secret number for our listeners, which is 314-252-0029, and you'll immediately be in touch with Jamie Burkard, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganast at Munganast, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota, stlouisaccurate.com and altontoyota.com. We have a jeweler here on the program for those of you in the market. Glenn Betts Jewelers, in business in St. Louis since 1941, operated by the third and fourth generation of the Betts family. The Glenn Betts difference is you are served personally. You're not sold. Glenn Betts Jewelers develops relationships through generations of your family as well. They get to know you, likes, lifestyle, and who and what you love. The three L's. It's glennbettsjewelers.com, located one mile east of 270 on Manchester in De Pere. The Betts family, passion for serving their customers, has been passed from generation to generation and uh, we recommend them. Doug has known the family. Iggy has known the family for years. I've gotten to know Adam as well and his father uh, and his brother operating. And you can just park right in the back there. It's just a mile east of I-270 and Manchester. Uh, and you park in the back there in De Pere. It's Glenn Betts Jewelers. Now, in a normal set of circumstances, I would wear Holderness and Born in the uh, Michelob Ultra Fan Page Club Championship. But I do not want to look appetizing to Cletus. So uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to not wear Holderness and Bourne when I play Cletus in the second round because I think he he's going to want to <laughs> violate me yeah. uh, if I do, if I do yeah it is understandable I can't blame him Holderness and Bourne has absolutely nailed the fit of their shirts because their approach is tailored but not tight even for those who wear a bigger size the fit loosens as you get towards large extra large and on up while maintaining the sharp look you can pick out from across the driving range. And we got this deal for our listeners. Enjoy 15% off at hpgolf.com with the code TMA15 and check out their new spring styles and colors. Again, go to hpgolf.com and apply the code TMA15 for 15% off your next order and feel the difference in their premium golf apparel. It's Holderness and Born, classic style with modern fit and performance. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Kelly Chase scheduled to join us. Design Air Heating and Cooling email today. That's all coming your way. Jackson and I will talk it over uh, on the Cardinals and uh, certainly more on Mike Shannon. Uh, Joe Buck uh, on with Randy Carricker and uh, Kerry Davis and Brooke Grimsley and Matt Rocchio here uh, in the last hour or so. So I'd like to, to hear what he had to say about 
uh, his longtime broadcast partner as well. That is coming up on 101 ESPN at 10 o'clock. Our 9 o'clock hour gets underway in a matter of moments here on TMA from the Michelob Ultra Studios. It's Ryan Kelly, morning after.